And this time on Culture File, we're back running our fingers along the spines of Paddy Woodworth's ideal collection of nature writings and nature writers. For this latest addition to our ever-growing naturalist bookshelf, we come to M for Maybe, Richard, the British author of the endlessly republished Food for Free, as well as the book Paddy introduces this time, Nature Cure. Culture isn't the opposite of nature. Richard Maybe writes in his book, nature cure. Culture is the interface, he says, between us and the non-human world. Our species semi-permeable membrane. We constantly refer back to the natural world to try and discover who we are. And this book tells us a great deal about who maybe is as he tries to reinvent his broken relationship with nature during a prolonged and severe midlife depression. He offers us a route home to what he sees as our proper place on this earth. To become awakeners, celebrators, to add our peculiar singing to the rest of the natural world. In one very memorable passage, maybe vividly portrays dozens of red kites. These are big but elegant birds of prey with distinctive russet and ermine plumage. He describes them as if they were social dancers, collectively juggling the wind as sunset approaches one evening. Incidentally, since red kites were reintroduced to Ireland 12 years ago, you can now see this magical flight display on any clear winter evening from the bridge in Avoca County Wicklow, current restrictions permitting, of course. Maybe's account of the kites is not only a superb rendering of animal behaviour into human language, though it is all of that. But even more striking is Maybe's daring willingness to enter imaginatively into what the kites might be feeling and doing. A willful, gratuitous relishing of the wind, he says. A carnival of solidarity at the end of the day. Now these phrases challenge two orthodoxies of Darwinist natural history. Though Charles Darwin himself, a more complex man than some of his disciples, might well have applauded Maybe's response to the birds. One such orthodoxy is that nature is driven entirely by self-interested competition. Cue Richard Dawkins' influential book, The Selfish Gene. The suggestion that the kites, or elsewhere in Maybe's book, even orchids, may be behaving gratuitously, paints a rather bigger picture of the nature of nature. The second orthodoxy is that we must steadfastly resist all anthropomorphism, any temptation to attribute our emotional or imaginative traits, or even individual agency, to other species. The notion that the kites may be acting willfully is thus more than a little heretical. But if you think about these orthodoxies for just a moment, it seems obvious that they contradict themselves. Competition, as interpreted by some natural scientists, often sounds remarkably like the very human ideology of unregulated capitalism. Nothing more anthropomorphic than that. Maybe is probably reflecting what many of us feel when he writes that what happens in nature is too extravagant too excessive to be simply utilitarian. 
He even dares to take the revered David Attenborough to task for sometimes framing the natural world as a simplistic and competitive sex and violence drama. Maybe his own approach in this book is not systematic. It is rather like his own description of Gilbert White's seminal early natural history essays. Disorganised, anecdotal, affectionate. Here, maybe is a rambler and a magpie. But his insights do not negate science. They draw from it and they enrich it. And the sense of disorganisation is essential to the truth of his book, which is, above all, a memoir, and echoes the messiness of bad passages in our interior lives. Maybe fell into depression in his early 50s, and this was the peak of his career. From the Forager's Bible, Food for Free, to the sumptuous and monumental Flora Britannica, he had long been acclaimed as one of the very best natural history writers of his generation. So it's important to understand that this book is not about a nature cure in the common sense of the phrase. Yes, getting outdoors, as we are often told, does help lighten dark moods. But maybe had been exposed to woods, hills and water bodies all his life. His problem was that he had lost his nature mojo. He had become a mere ecological voyeur. He felt separated from landscapes and from their creatures by a glass wall of anxiety when he could still bear to look at them at all. His heart no longer lifted with the first celandine of spring or with the first swift of summer. A root of this depression, he argues, was a natural science confined to the naming of parts and simplistic models of cause and effect. This model, he argues, was unhelpful in describing a world in which memory, feeling, spontaneity, and a growing sense of the wholeness of things are intertwined. Through a process driven in no small part by his own new sexual relationship, nothing more natural than that, surely, he rediscovers in nature his powers of imagination and what he calls the basic biological urge to play. And it is indeed a cure for the reader to witness how the book itself moves from hesitant, halting nature writing in the first half, reflecting Maybe's own misery, to starburst accounts of drumming snipe and dancing cranes in the later pages, informed by science but illuminated with imagination and, why not, with love. Paddy Woodworth there on Richard Maybe's Nature Cure, our latest suggestion for a place on the good naturalist bookshelf.